said right. If they had- all right, guys, so today we are joined by Falcons legend, two-time All-Pro fullback, Mr. Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, thanks for joining us today. No problem, man. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So the Falcons finished this season with an abysmal 4-12 and record in 2020. So, Ovi, what are your expectations going into the 2021 season? Obviously, we know we're going to have a new coach and general manager. What do you see for this next era of Falcons football? First of all, I love your uh, your Addison choice, uh, abysmal. That 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 pretty much encapsulates the uh, <laughs> the season. It was very abysmal, but um, I, I think there's hope uh, in the fact that we have finally finally decided to move in a different direction uh, regarding head coach and GM. And you know, Thomas Dimitrov, I, I appreciate him. He he didn't um, sign me. It was gosh uh, darn it, um, draw a blank. The gentleman who never gets fired, just moves around, uh, <laughs> and Arthur Blank's right hand. Uh, Rich McKay, there we go. <laughs> Rich, McKay. <laughs> Rich McKay is the one who, who brought me on. But uh, Thomas Dimitrov's the one who sent me out. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. And Tom is a great guy, but I, I feel like I still had a couple of years left. And uh, even with my knee injury, I thought I had some time to, you know, really uh, add something to the team. But he thought it was my time to go. And, uh, and that's that's all right because we all know as professionals we can't be in this business for forever. And Thomas Dimitrov might have nine lives because uh, people thought that he was going to get fired time and time again, but he stayed around. And uh, we have finally gone a different direction with uh, head coach GM. And uh, though uh, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov brought a lot of great to the end, to the uh, franchise, I think it was time for uh, some new blood. I think that allows Falcons fans to have hope that something different will happen and to have hope that there's a possibility we can, you know, construct a team that can uh, have a winning season. Who knows? Go to the playoffs, maybe even a Super Bowl. Exactly, man. I couldn't agree more with you. And when you joined the team, obviously, like you said, when Rich McKay signed you back in 07, the franchise was going through a very difficult situation. Not like we're in today, but it was the post-Michael Vick era, as I'll refer to it as. The team went 4-12 and in 2007. And as you know, very well to, or very all too well. Bobby Petrino hightailed it out of town. How did Coach Petrino's actions affect the team and then you personally? Uh, it was strange. Uh, and it, it wasn't the post-Vick era for me. It was uh, – I got two months of Michael Vick, and it was uh, exciting to play with somebody who I'd watched when I was with the Ravens, and I just saw as a uh, – who could, you know, make almost any play. And two months into minicamp, I think uh, – Everything went haywire. Everything went south, and uh, it was a crazy, out of body experience watching the the protests and the planes flying over and the helicopters and just the mobs. And you know, uh, I hadn't lost that many games in a long time. Going forward, twelve was not easy, especially when I was uh, somewhat of a scapegoat because people were saying, "Why would you pay a fullback?" You know. $18 million when he can't really affect the game or change the game. But you know, mm-hmm. the reality was I didn't have a chance to. I, we were down every game, so we were throwing the ball every game. Right. So to a certain extent, I, I could see how the uh, uneducated fan could be like, what the hell is going on? We, we're, we, we're paying this fullback more money than anybody else in the NFL, and he's playing like, like – I, I literally play like six snaps in games, like eight or nine snaps. Right. The – the offense, or Bob Petrino didn't know how to use me. They weren't running a heavy run offense, which is the reason they told me they wanted me. 
and we were always losing, like off the bat losing. So I sat there just ready for special teams because that's what I, I knew I could get a chance to play. And Bob Petrino uh, was, uh, I don't know what was going on with that guy, but when he left, it was uh, surreal because we thought there's no way, no way that a coach would just leave with three games left. And that's what he did. Right. And, you know, man, it, it doesn't, doesn't surprise me at all that, you know, you still have those feelings, of course, because as a fan, being a young fan back then, too, that situation still sticks with me. And I like how you said you don't consider that the post-Mike Vick era, because a lot of the guys on the team, and I know Roddy White included, was one of those guys that was not feeling that way whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, it, it was strange. Uh, a funny um, thing, though, um, <coughs> excuse me. With uh, Bobby Petrino, I uh, <laughs> when I retired, I went into um, uh, commentating. And uh, are you hearing the texting people are texting me on the phone? No, 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 you're good, man. Okay, good because uh, I was going to turn it off. But no, um, the Bobby Petrino uh, after he left the the Falcons, I called a game for ACC Network. I was on TV and radio, and I called a Louisville game. No and kidding. It was, one of the most awkward moments in history where <laughs> I'm walking in there as a college football uh, color uh, analyst and I'm talking to Bob Petrino. There's a huge elephant in the room that, hey, uh, I haven't seen you since you walked out on me, uh, you know, a couple of years ago. But um, we managed to not talk about it one time. But uh, <laughs> the first thing he says is, uh, oh, yeah, you're not going to hit me, are you? <laughs> I said no, coach. I I can um, throw it in jail for hitting people now that I'm retired. Uh, he said, "Okay, okay." So it was uh, it was interesting, and uh, I think he's uh, hopefully he's learned from his uh, bad decision making when it came to how to leave a team. Right, absolutely, uh, Ovi. I want to take a step back a little bit to your days back in Baltimore when you were the fullback for the Ravens. You played sure. with the great Steve McNair, rest in peace, in 2006, and Hall of Fame yep. cornerback Dion Primetime Sanders in 04. What did yep. you learn as a young guy from Prime and Air McNair in your early days in the league? Man, um, it was one of the coolest things as a uh, NFL player, as a football player, to play with Dion Sanders. I remember like it is just seared as my, my memory when he first walked in because it was like royalty was walking in. We were talking about it for a while, and it was a, like, I thought it was a joke. Like, oh, Deion, he's been retired for two years. He's coming back to the uh, Ravens to uh, help us win the Super Bowl. But yeah, yeah, whatever. And then it became more of a joke to a rumor, to a rumor that something that might happen, something that might happen to where he's coming sometime this week. And then, like, it's uh, – people are scrambling. Oh, Deion's in the building, Deion's in the building. Like, Primetime's in the building? <laughs> Dude walks in the side door of the locker room, and, of course, Ray Lewis is there, daps him up, you know, gives him a big hug. Then he walks down. His locker is two lockers down from mine. And I am just <laughs> trying to hold it together to, you know, because you don't want to be a, a fan when, yeah. you know, you, you're a fellow NFL player. You're supposed to have a certain level of uh, respect about yourself and, uh, you know, hold it together. I, I had the hardest time. So the first day I came up to him <laughs> with a football and a pen and said, <laughs> Mr. Time, Mr. Prime, Mr. Prime Time, uh, uh, my, uh, my mother is a big fan of yours. Not me, but my mom is a huge fan of yours. And she'd be the world for her to sign this. And he's like, okay, uh, who do I make out to? I was like, just make out to Obi Mahaley. He's like, <laughs> he's like, that ain't your mom. I was like, just, just make out to Obi. 
<laughs> but he, he was a cool guy. Um, and uh, with Dion, we got injured at the same time. I had a chance to rehab with him, which uh, it sucked that we were both hurt. But uh, for about a month and a half, I got a chance to be in the cold tub, do uh, exercises, and just pick the brain of one of the greatest Hall of Famers, you know, ever. Right. And uh, it, it was just so cool because it, it pulled the curtain back a little bit and understanding how do you become the best of the best? How do you become the Hall of Famers Hall of Famer? And a lot of it was mindset. We always talk about, you know, the, the game is more of so the physical. And with, with Dion, it was. Um, his ego uh, and, and the way that he looked at himself, it wasn't really – uh, ego was putting people down. It was more just bringing himself up, and he had such confidence in, in himself. It was uh, it was amazing. So um, just I kind of picked his brain. I think understanding the way to go about the game, and not only the preparation, but how to be professional, that helped me uh, with Steve McNair. Segue to to have the best year of my career uh, at the time with Steve McNair. My my fourth year. Right. Uh, I was getting more throws than Jamal Lewis uh, because yeah. he trusted me. So whenever there's a check down necessary and he got in a tough spot, he'd find me. He'd throw me the ball. And I always made sure I got some, some yaks, some yards after that catch. Oh, yeah. Made off the ball, made him look good. So we built up some trust. And, and Steve was uh, a guy who, even though the fullback wasn't, you know, you know, still not is uh, a position that, is as heralded, heralded as it should be, Steve always respected the hell out of a fullback and yeah. uh, would always come to be saying, oh, hey, man, set the tone. Oh, hey, man, I need you to get these boys right. Oh, hey, I need you to talk to them off his line and make sure they protect my behind, you know, because <laughs> uh, they're they coming at me. And I took that personally. I, you know, a lot of offensive linemen and fullbacks, we, we think of uh, the quarterback as our, you know, it, it's it's our guy. You, you can't mess with him. You mess with him as, as a problem. And I took that to the, the you know, the 10th level because even if you looked at Steve wrong, I'd almost get in their face and, and like back off my guy. And it was uh, <laughs> a real brother relationship. You know, we right. always talk about working on a football team, but like Steve was my brother and, and rest in peace. Uh, I still can't believe he's not here. Yeah. Um, it, it was uh, a, a treat. It was a pleasure to be able to play with him and you know, offense side of the ball, you know, even more than Dion, I got a chance to, to win with him. The coolest, memory and one of the, the my best ones in my NFL career with my very first touchdown who Steve McNair threw to me and it was against the Tennessee Titans who had discarded Steve like you know yesterday's news yeah and knew we all knew that he wanted to win that game when we were in Tennessee and uh unfortunately we were down by three touchdowns at halftime he had a hell of a speech uh during halftime about you know not wanting to win it for him but just you know, want us to to show ourselves how good we are. It's a uh, doing a disservice to ourselves to not go out there and play our best. It was just really good, really passionate, and something that be on uh, on TV. And we came out there, uh, simple flat route, five yards and up. And I go and pretend like I'm going to block the linebacker, and then he comes up to hit me. I go past him, juke right, uh, turn left, run five yards. I can see Steve going through his progressions. You know, he looked uh, for Mark Clayton. He looked for Travis Taylor. He looked for somebody else. And then he looked at me. I said, oh, crap. I better catch this. So he said, be a quick uh, uh, five-yard flat. I catch it. I feel the linebacker dive, trip on my feet. I turn it up. I see another linebacker dive, you know, my peripheral vision. <laughs> and then I'm just running, running, running. 42 yards or 38, 42 yards later, I see the end zone. 
And I, I do like, uh, it was one of the cheesiest to jump up and fist pump the air. I go, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> and I was just so excited because my first touchdown was the beginning of our comeback to win uh, in Tennessee and get Steve that, that really uh, important win for him. So from uh, Deion Sanders to Steve McNair, uh, two uh, elders that I, I fully respected, uh, made me part of uh, who I am today uh, as a professional, as a football player, and as a person. Absolutely, Obi. Uh, those are some great words. And, of course, rest in peace to the legendary McNair, a certified badass. Uh, that leads me into another certified badass. You led the way for Falcon legend Michael DeBurner Turner for many years. What was Mike like as a teammate? Mike was hilarious. Uh, uh, <laughs> one thing about Mike is that uh, it's impossible to be in a room with him and, and not laugh, either at him or with him. Um, but uh, I don't know why people call him the burner. Uh, we, we just like, you're not fast. You know, like, <laughs> Dave Thomason, who he used to back up, like, he's fast. Like, there are other guys who are speedsters. You're not fast. Who gave me the, the burner? He's like, I do. I'm the burner. <laughs> you address me as the burner. I was like, I don't think he burned his biscuits. Like, he ain't, he ain't burning nothing. So, uh, no, Mike, Mike's my guy. He's uh, someone that... You know, fullback tailback relationships are always closer. You know, if you have a, a real relationship with, with the guy, you're always able to to play better. I think that's with, with any, any team sport. So, you know, me, Mike, the whole running back crew, we would always uh, hang out. And we were a close-knit group. And uh, especially Matt Ryan's early years, uh, we felt like we had to make ease for Matt and, and run, run the damn ball. And yeah, we man. had a – Office coordinator and Coach Malarkey, who believed the same thing. So it was fun with uh, Tyson Claybo and Harvey Dahl and, you know, Tom Clore and my man, uh, uh, Bla- Blaylock. Yeah, Blaylock. Justin, Justin Blaylock. Not Justin Blaylock. Uh, was Blaylock J- Jason Justin? Maybe Justin Blaylock. Yeah, Justin uh, yeah, Blaylock. Yeah, Blaylock and uh, even uh, big old Sam Baker. Would, oh, would yeah. Get a, he'd, he'd get a, uh, all, all, you know, uh, rustled up and, and get nasty sometimes, but we were just nasty. We were yeah. we played on that edge and, and a little bit over. Some called us dirty. I wouldn't say we were dirty, but we were close to it. We we were right to the edge, supposed to be dirty, but they, they they feared us. They were afraid of us, and they they got the heck out the way. And we enjoyed uh, that 2008, 9, 10, 11, uh, just out there, just you know. Kicking ass, taking names. Yes, sir. It was fun. And Michael was was our, our guy. He was our, our prize horse because if we gave him a hole, he, he was a little bit of daylight. His big body would get through that that gap and make us look good. And uh, we, we took a lot of pride in watching film the day after and just, uh, uh, you know, patting each other on the back about, you got that pancake. Oh, you pushed him in space in the dirt. <laughs> oh, you couldn't even get up. And sometimes we, we double-team guys and make their lives living hell. But Mike always uh, gave us the props. You know, and not the uh, hollowed props that running backs do. Oh, one thing off his line. Like, he was sincere. He was genuine. When the cameras weren't there, he made sure that we knew that, uh, you know, he, there was no, no Michael Turner without without us. And he did the same thing for me, too. He was always very – hey, he wouldn't give me too much credit. He wouldn't, he wouldn't my head to get too big. But he always, uh, you know, made sure that, that – I knew what a big part of his success I was. Right. So I, and that the best way to show me is pay for some dinner. <clears throat> Take me out to dinner, pay for some food, <laughs> give me a flat screen TV. <laughs> like, nah, man, you're making money. You're the highest paid in your position. I was like, yeah, but that's still, excuse me, I'm like, <clears throat> that's still a fraction of what you were making. <laughs> uh, but but uh, it, was, it was still, it was fun. So yeah. I used to 
watch TV and be like, you know, all these old guys, you know, uh, tell these old war stories, sitting around a fire. I mean, we're always living in the past, man. It's so weird. And now I realize why, because the NFL and the experiences and the relationships and the, the moments, it's hard to recreate that. And when you watch football now, you watch the playoffs, you, you have flashbacks into some of the, the amazing uh, situations and people that you that you played with, and that you were in, and some of the uh, really you know great obstacles you were able to overcome. Because you know, there's nothing better than being down in the game and, and coming back and winning it. Like it's like the feeling of uh, euphoria is, uh, is is hard to uh, recreate. So. Uh, Mike, Mike's my guy, and you know we, we still keep in touch. And uh, shoot, uh, I, I would love for there to be like an alumni game where we get all the old guys and play a black football game. Uh, I think uh, <laughs> we're supposed to schedule that, but the pandemic messed it all up right. for this year. Right, man, and that 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 uh, that feeling of renewed confidence in 2008 after that you know treacherous ending of 2007 probably made you as a player on the team feel much better. Matt Ryan obviously coming in, Michael Turner obviously being signed, Thomas Dimitrov being brought in as the GM. But I want to really, really talk about head coach Mike Smith. What can you tell me about Smitty? What did he bring to the table as head coach? Smitty was an interesting one because he wasn't, you know, really loud. Uh, you know, he, he uh, you know, I, I saw Smitty with I was with Brian Finner and and, uh, and Mike Smith. We were at um, uh, the Country Club, and uh, we were. Uh, uh, I think he, I don't, they might have played golf, but we were just sitting there, you know, grabbing a beer and just and just talking. And I hadn't seen, seen Coach Smith in, in years, so I had a chance to veteran uh, uh, invited me out. We had a chance to just talk to him, and it was it was fun. it was funny. Uh, he's he's a, a really um, uh, just solid individual. He's just you know a solid guy. Hard to say any bad things about him. But um, he held people accountable. And that was something that we, we needed, especially after the uh, Petrino year. He held people accountable. He had high expectations for us. Uh, and he allowed us to um, uh, to be ourselves. And it was, <laughs> he turns red so quickly. Whenever he gets fired up, his face turns, turns bright red. <laughs> but um, I think Smitty was just at glue. Uh, he had a great offense coordinator, Coach Malarkey, who um, you know really helped uh, – uh, hold the offensive down um coach smith was a defensive guru i think he came from uh tampa bay or was he was a coordinator there or something but um uh he, he brought a, a solid defense where john abraham and we had uh some great guys we didn't have like you know a ton of superstars but we had enough for us to, to win games so uh mike smith i give him all the credit man because he gave us our first back-to-back winning seasons in franchise history i think in 08 09 or 09 010 and I didn't know that we had never won. I mean, with Michael Vick, you would think we'd had back-to-back winning seasons, but yeah. but no. So, uh, yeah, Coach Smith was, was solid. Yeah. So, in uh, 2010, when we went 13-3, uh, and three, we lost the 49ers, obviously. I know that's probably heartbreaking to even talk about, but what was your biggest takeaway from that experience? I think 2010, we lost to the uh, Packers. I think it was, we oh, lost Oh, yeah, three. you're right, you're right. 12, well, 2012, excuse me. Yeah, I, I wasn't there because Dimitrov felt like I was unnecessary. Uh, which was weird because I kind of was. And it, yeah. it was hard to see the team succeed without you. A bunch of mixed feelings. Happy for them, but at the same time, like, dang, wow, they didn't need me. Right. Oh, 
that's that's life. But uh, 2010, <laughs> we were 13 and three. I thought we were going to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I could have sworn we were going all the way, and to have a week off and then just not show up after we had beaten them before. Because earlier that year, like I made uh, Clay Matthews and their linebackers my, you know, yeah. my feet. Okay, they 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 were they were not trying to see me or Michael Turner or run game, and it was just too easy. But it was a couple of uh, key mistakes that that did us in. Right. And then, uh, Ovi, I kind of want to fast forward again a little bit to 2011 when Julio came into the league. What was he like in, as a rookie? And then how instrumental was Roddy in his early development? You know, you got to see it up close. Yeah, uh, Julio was better than advertised. Um, I, I don't know how he was able to do it, but he even exceeded my expectations because uh, we gave the farm for him. And we were all like, why did Tommy up? And we need uh, this position and that position and this position. But, you know, we got Roddy White. We don't need a, another receiver that, you know, we will need two number ones. But Julio was, like, he, number one with a gold star. Uh, he came in practice. I remember one-handed catches. I remember him, you know, uh, just making our defensive backs look silly. Uh, I remember him being a, a grown man, even as a rookie. And doing the same thing in, in the games. Uh, and Roddy White was, was great because it matured him. You know, Brian Finner and uh, I saw from the time I got there in like 07, uh, played a huge role in helping Roddy mature and, you know, be more professional, uh, do the little things, the details. And Roddy kind of take, took that and handed it to Julio. Julio was, was already, you know, coming from Alabama, you got that. Uh, professional mindset before you can get to uh, the NFL, but he soaked in everything that uh, the uh, veterans were, were putting out. You know, uh, as a wide receiver, I didn't talk to him much, but um, you know, his rookie year, but I was definitely a part of uh, <laughs> Julio's uh, rookie uh, dinner. Uh, one of the wonderful things about these rookies get these big contracts, they get dinner for all the veterans, and we. Uh, go out and have dinner and have some fun. It's all at their expense because they got more than enough to uh, uh, to spare. So uh, you know he's a he's a heck of a guy, and it, it's great seeing his success uh, numbers wise uh, in the years that have uh, uh, gone. But it's just frustrating to see him being so good and not be able to get get a championship. That that's something that you wish for guys that you play with, and the only guys that I. You know, on the team I still played with, or Matt Ryan and Julio, yeah. everybody else. Yeah, which is crazy when you really think about it. Also, because you know that team, even back in 2016 when they made it to the Super Bowl, just felt like we had something really special going at the time. And obviously, now the head coach is gone, and our GM is gone. So, Ovi, I know you're really close with Mr. Blank. I assume you guys still are. Um, obviously, as a former player of his, I know he likes to take care of his own. With that being said. My question for you is, if you were in Arthur Blank's shoes, what would you be looking for in the next head coach and general manager? What qualities specifically? Great question. Uh, next head coach, uh, defensive guru hasn't worked out with Dan Quinn. Uh, and I, I say uh, the next head coach for us has to be somebody who is a winner. Um, I, I would need someone who's going to call it like it is and not be afraid to just call people out. It's accountability. I'm a big Eric Bieniemy fan because, I mean, shoot, 
just look at the man's resume. I think, like, there's no reason to look for anything else but for that guy. I think he'd be great in Atlanta and, and um, help us get to winning, I won't say immediately, because with um, the new GM, which is the other part of your question, I think he has to be willing to make some tough decisions, which may include um, trading Matt and Julio and start from scratch because right. we're paying them, you know, crazy amounts uh, of money and they're not winning. You know, give them a chance to win somewhere else and give us a chance to really fill in some of these holes and these gaps that we have because as high-powered as our offense is with Calvin Ridley and everybody else, our defense year after year with defensive guru after defensive guru, we've not been able to get it together. And I don't care what they say, uh, offenses are fun to watch, but defense still wins championships. And right. we can't win any championships with defense we have right now, even with uh, my, my guy Foye Aluakun, our fellow Nigerian, out there balling. Yeah, we still, man. still need more talent on the uh, defensive side. So I hope we get a GM that's uh, open to do whatever's necessary and will really pick the, the talent, not just the guys who uh, impress you at the combine, the guys who can actually ball, who can play. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, diamonds in the rough in the third, fourth, fifth round. So you, you, gotta, you can't keep on missing in those rounds. Like, unfortunately, you know, Thomas Mitrov did, you know, miss the first, second round. And third, fourth round, there's all these uh, different articles about how whole draft classes are not even – forget on the Falcons, like out the NFL. So people you choose are not even good enough to make it in the league longer than, you know, two, three years. We got to choose a little better. So hopefully the new GM can can do that and can uh, get us some wins because uh, the, the fans want it, the alumni want it, the city wants it, and I think they deserve it. Absolutely. And uh, the fans definitely want it. I can emphasize that note. So uh, you kind of mentioned the alumni a little bit earlier. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, you were at the Georgia Dome when all the legends came back for the send-off, correct? Yep, I was. Uh, I don't know how I made that list, but I'm really happy to. <laughs> I mean, I, I was the first Pro Bowl fullback in the Falcons franchise history. Yeah. That I'm before, but um, I got to drive around in one of those little cars and come out and wave. It was uh, a really special uh, uh, moment because I, uh, you know, you at times you wonder if they might pay attention to the work you did for, for the team. And uh, five, six years with uh, Atlanta, uh, I, I felt that love in a, in a big way uh, on, on that day. Plus, I got to, to be front and center for uh, Michael Vick's return and all the love that he was shown by the fans. It was a, oh, man, it was a deafening roar when he came in uh, to, to the stadium with, uh, with Roddy White. So it, it was just cool to see. Yeah, couldn't agree more. And, uh, Obi, you've accomplished a lot in your established career, and uh, you were a two-time All-Pro fullback in 2006 and 2010, and at the time agreed to the largest contract by a fullback in NFL history. Watching the game today, where do you see the fullback position heading? We see much and much more of, you know, spread offenses, less fullbacks. Who are some of your favorite fullbacks, and where do you see the position heading down the road? I think it's everything's cyclical. Um, cyclical, if I said that correctly. Uh, uh, I think that people start to realize again that fullbacks are necessary and they are a key part of uh, any good team. Uh, I, I love the 49ers fullback. I think uh, Kyle Juszczyk, uh, the I don't know how you pronounce it correctly, but um, I think he went to the Pro Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've seen a couple of good ones. Um, uh, what's the other guy's name? The Giants had a, a decent fullback last year who blocked for uh, Saquon. I don't know if it was last year, the year before last. Right. But 
I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I watch football. I don't watch it as attentively as I used to. I just watch Falcons games, uh, you know, now and then. But uh, I, I just really feel like the games I do watch, blue bats are making a bigger impact. They're helping, you know, at the point of attack, really make some things happen. So I feel confident that, you know, they're not going to let us walk quietly. Or we're not going to walk quietly into, quietly into that night, and we're going to rage against that machine that's trying to get us out the, uh, the offense. Yeah, man. And, I mean, you, you can see it more and more. The fullback is a necessity in the offensive game. I mean, Pat, Pat DeMarco, you know, back in 2016 was the unsung hero of that offense, the way that he was blocking for our two running backs, obviously Coleman and Freeman. So I appreciate the work you did as a fullback here in Atlanta as a fan. And I uh, also appreciate the work you do in the community. I've interacted with you before at a lot of things, uh, different charity events in and around the city. And uh, appreciate all the work and the way that you used your platform throughout your career. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate that. All right, guys. So that wraps it up for myself and Ovi Mahaley. Ovi, it was an honor speaking with you, and I appreciate the opportunity. Happy New Year, and go Falcons. Sounds good to me, man. Happy New Year, too. Great interview with Falcons legend Ovi Mahaley. Appreciate his time and his insight about his time when he was here in Atlanta. We want to go ahead and congratulate the winner of the Julio Jones signed football, Mr. Drew Thompson. Drew, congratulations to you. You are now the proud owner of Falcons history arguably the greatest receiver of all time. Ovi's former teammate, he talked about him in the interview. Drew, check your DMs on Instagram and find out how you will redeem your prize. Thank you for listening to Division II Sports. For all Division II Sports news, follow us on social media at Division underscore two sports. You can go your own way.